I'm Mick Danzig. And I'm Hannah Hampton. And you're listening to HR After Hours. (laughs) Sorry. Well, all righty. Well, grease my engine and call me Gladys. I'm very excited about today's episode. How are you, Hannah? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm always look forward to our conversations. How are you doing today? You know, our pre-conversation conversations are always entertaining. And <laughs> one of these days, we are going to do an outtakes episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, what what can you do? So let's let's just get it going. Yes. I so like I was it. talking to a, a very close friend of mine, and they just had a what was what what would have been initially one of the most fabulous recruiting processes you could imagine. And then at the end of the recruiting process, the company told them, you know, you'll hear from us within a week. And they had that smile and he, he's like, I got an offer coming. Right. And then yeah. a week rolls by and he hears nothing. Oh, no. I know. We've all got stories. I'm going to hear yours after this one. And then he reaches out to me and he says, Mick. I don't know what to do. Should I do the checking in email? And, you know, I helped him compose a a very simple, basic, you know, I was very excited about the opportunity, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Really looking forward to hearing from you. And then he sends it. And then another flipping week goes by. And he Really? Uh, yes. And now I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell him. I'm like, so that's two weeks after they told you a week you've checked in. And this this gentleman's flown out to two different cities for the oh. interviews. He's met everyone. He actually put together a presentation for one of the interviews. I mean, this guy is all in. He's psyched. And then nothing. Wow. Finally, Almost three weeks later, he gets the call from the point person in the process, and it wasn't a recruiter, Mm -hmm. and that person tells him, you know, hey, basically, we love you. The role we were recruiting you for wasn't the right role. We're working on some roles, and Mm -hmm. I'm not just telling you that to blow smoke, so let's plan on, you know, staying in touch. I'm hoping to have something as early as 60 days for you. Oh, wow. And he was excited still. So the good news is, I think this individual is probably going to end up working for this company somehow, miraculously. But there were so many things that were done right in the first part of the process. And then at the end, it just left such a bad taste in his mouth that anyone that was not as even keeled and balanced as my friend, like myself, I would have like just been, are you flipping kid me right now mm-hmm. he still is excited and they didn't lose him as a candidate but yeah that's good that's good because I was gonna say I said well hopefully or it sounds like that the first part of the process was so good that it really he was bought into the company and the culture so it didn't ruin it when the next part lagged and lagged and lagged and lagged and then ended up with a non-offer but a in the future so that's good for them but it's a it's a scary or a good reminder to that not to screw up the recruiting process and to lose a great candidate. Absolutely. And so uh, this this podcast is going to be about is your process, your recruiting process broken? Mm-hmm. And we're not going to go into uh, solutions today. We're going to help people just give them some things to look at and then we'll have some upcoming episodes. Uh, and maybe even some standalones talking, you know, about how to update your process. But there's so many bad stories out there. And I, I believe you have one to share. So I want to hear that. And then mm-hmm. we'll jump in. 
Well, sure. So mine was, I, I feel like it's a very interesting story and it's just a reminder to recruiters to be either organized or just paying attention. So I received an email from a recruiter and this is a search recruiter, so not in-house for the company. And the person had reached out to me via my current employers. And this has happened years ago. So when I say current employer, I truly mean former, but my employer at the time, the email address. So I, knowing the company that I worked for, I was not comfortable having any type of conversation with an external recruiter. So I responded via my personal Gmail account and said, hey, thanks for reaching out to me. I'm interested in learning more. Uh, tell me a little bit more about the opportunity. And the recruiter responded to me stating, hey, thanks for reaching out. I, I've got some candidates on the hook right now. So uh, maybe I'll reach out. Basically, it was maybe I'll reach out to you if my candidates don't follow through, which I thought was a very strange response. But I thought, OK, I guess I was late to the party. You mean fast he didn't win you over with that enticing offer? Yeah, no kidding. So fast forward a week later and I get another email to my work, you know, former employer worth at the time work email address from the same recruiter saying, hey, you never responded to me. Are you, are you interested? And I... And, and, and what I had done before was I had forwarded the email to my Gmail and then Gmail to this guy. So I, I, it did, it's not like I, I made it difficult. So then I responded to him. I did respond to you and it was my personal email address. And it just, the person, it's, to me, it seemed a little bizarre that he couldn't put two and two together. It's not like there was different names. I clearly was the same Hannah that he had reached out to. Uh, then, so he's like, okay. So I sent him my resume and his response was, I, I don't know. I don't know if you have the right experience. So I said to the guy, I said, look, <laughs> just submit my resume. Submit my resume to the company. Uh, let them let them make the decision rather than you. Because at this point, I was not 100% trusting in this guy's abilities. Long story short, I did get an offer for from this company. I was right. Uh, I But luckily, I did not let the weird scenario of the search recruiter keep me from... Uh, an opportunity that I was interested in. But uh, I just thought it was one of those things where I want to say, hey, pay attention to the people that you're reaching out to, especially if you're going to use work email addresses, because I know there's some companies that monitor their emails. And I, I come from the school thought maybe I'm a little paranoid, but I assume any of my emails that I send via my work email address can be looked at by any of the leadership team members. So uh, that's why I made that decision. But Again, story to recruiters, just pay attention to who you're reaching out to and pay attention. They might respond from a different email address. Wow. So hopefully that was a case of, well, you said this was an agency. It wasn't the actual hiring manager or recruiter. Correct. From the okay. So as we all know, there are plenty of ill-qualified recruiters out there. It amazes me how many people go from operations and business into uh, recruiting on their own after they semi-retire, even if they've mm -hmm. never done any recruiting, which is fine for them because, you know, that's great. You make me look better and sticking the guy 
on the street corner with the accordion next to the Rolling Stones. Yeah, that's right. I just called myself the fucking Rolling Stones. And <laughs> but I mean, there are sometimes is that drastic of a contrast. Mm-hmm. So first question, you know, to look for on whether or not your recruiting process is broken is who is doing your recruiting? Absolutely. Who is contacting the candidates? Is it the right person? Do you have a sourcer and that's all they're supposed to be doing? If their talent is sourcing, great. Have them source, not try to talk to people. Um, So there you go. It sounds like either someone was completely disorganized, green, or overstepping their bounds. I think a little bit of both. Like it was, I think this person was new and new to role, new to what they were doing. And that's what it felt like to me. However, I mean, I'd still use this firm again because they were HR specific, but that experience, it just left me laughing. Uh, As somebody who has done recruiting in their past, it, it just left me laughing. And I thought, okay, this person has a little bit to learn. Sounds like this person has a lot to learn. Yeah. But at the same time, There are companies that don't have enough resources and their people are stretched thin, or if you allow them, sometimes uh, underqualified recruiters will do more than they're capable. They'll take on too much, which Mm -hmm. maybe that's all it was. Maybe this person didn't expect the response they were getting. They were trying to do, they didn't allocate enough time or they weren't given enough time to work on this particular project and they they messed it up, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And, but we just gave two examples of how poor recruiting processes still got the candidates. And so they may not make any changes moving forward. Mm -hmm. So you can have a broken process or an outdated recruiting process. And if you're getting candidates, you don't know better. And you may not be getting the right candidates, or you may only be seeing 10% of the qualified candidates that are out there because broken process. So let's go through a couple questions for our listeners to ponder and let them determine whether or not their recruiting process is broken. My first one, and I don't know if you've faced any obstacles with this one, but a big question that I think everyone should ask themselves when they're analyzing their, their recruiting process is, does your recruiting process or department match your culture? Mm, that's a really great question. Because, I mean, you could have one, uh, you can have a great culture and your company's growing and everyone is sharp and polished and you have hired the best people in the industry. But if you're skimping on your recruiter and your recruiting team is really not a recruiting team, it's this patchwork group of people from different departments that are doing the recruiting then they're not matching the company culture at all. Well, they either that or you need to make sure if you don't have a dedicated set of recruiters, like many small small companies don't, they might have the HR department of one, make sure that those people um, you know, are trained. And I guess that's more of a solution, but uh, you know, I think you're, you're so right that if people are just put, pulled together and just say, hey, recruit without any training, without any understanding of how to talk about that culture, that can make your recruiting process broken. And you just segued perfectly, uh, unintentionally. Sorry, <laughs> listeners, I'm not going to hey, give her too much We didn't credit. talk about this ahead of time because we wanted you guys to get the raw conversation. So I'm glad it segued. <laughs> So it did segue perfectly into the next question you need to ask yourself. 
is the recruiter in the know? So part of that is, do they know the culture and understand it? Another thing is, do they really know what's going on with your company at this time? Have you kept them updated? Do they know the state of the company? Is the company, like I just said, you're surrounded by rock stars, it's growing, everything's awesome, or are you currently facing challenges? Right. You know, Are you being honest in the recruiting process and saying, one of the reasons I'm looking for someone like you is we are facing challenges and we need to bring in some grade A talent. Be honest. I mean, you've right. got to know. But if the recruiter doesn't know, they can't be honest. Right. Um, and then back to that clear communication, is your company or your recruiting team, uh, are they giving clear communication to the candidates as far as the timeline, you know, the process so they can share it with the candidate? And are they properly informed of the timeline mm -hmm. and what the process is going to be. Do they know how many stages are going to be in the process? Do you even know at this point? Mm -hmm. Do you know who they you want the candidate to speak with? These are all things that need to be determined uh, to make sure that your recruiting team is going after the right people and informing them. And then um, ultimately, You've got to make sure, like we just said at the beginning in my story, that you've got to be able to say, this is the expectation. This is what we're going to communicate to you. This is when you're going to hear from us. And be honest. If, you, if you're not sure, just tell them. It could be right. two or three weeks till the next step. My hiring manager wants to look at a certain amount of people. And then what that ultimately leads up to, that clear communication, is at any point, have you left the candidate in the dark? Mm -hmm. Do they not know if they're when they're going to find out if they're making the next step? Do they know that you're not moving forward? You know, ultimately, I think the best question to ask yourself is, do you ever feel like an asshole? <laughs> I, you know, I think that's that's a really good point. Thinking like, hey, is this is this clear? Does, does this make sense? I, I think there's a lot of questions that you can ask yourself either before starting that recruiting process or during like, hey, am I, am I being transparent here? Am I, am I clearly communicating to the candidate the actual role, the what it's going to look like, the challenges? I think people do want that. I think it's important. You know, you think about the old bait and switch, making sure you're not doing that. You can't, if you communicate that, hey, this culture is, is, apples but your cultural culture is actually oranges that's not going to turn into a great recruiting experience because then we're not going to have that retention that we need so asking those questions about am i being clear does this make sense and am i yeah am i setting somebody up for success if i start feeling like i'm being forced to mislead a candidate that's when i've got to say no this isn't right and like i said we actually gave a couple of little details on how to fix small things as we gave you the outline to analyze your process. But I, I do believe a, a, a great benchmark is if you feel like an asshole as the okay. recruiter, then yes, the process is broken. Mm -hmm. And we are going to definitely have some solutions in some upcoming podcasts, but we wanted to start with this very short and sweet presentation because we want to have you um, properly prepared for the next upcoming pieces. Because if you do think your process is broken, 
Or if you're not sure and you have more questions, guess what? You can mail, email us. Yay! Yay! At mail at hrafterhours.com. Because I would like to see some feedback before we record any of the upcoming segments on how to fix things. But this is where we're going to get started. So shoot us an email. Let us know if you have any questions that we can answer on the upcoming episodes. Or and even we'll be- share horror stories. I want to hear your recruiting stories. Yes, best re- best recruiting horror story of the week wins a free episode of our next podcast. <laughs> we'll be right back. All right, Hannah, do you know what time it is? <laughs> what time is it? I think it's time for a smoke break. Smoke break! Well, all right. I'd like to say this new episode is because we have so much spare time that we just like to record random shit. But this is a new segment that we like to call to shake or not to shake. Mm -hmm. And every once in a while, Hannah and I will joke about being older. And I'm much, much older than Hannah. And uh, I remember when a Snickers bar was a quarter. Uh, But, you know, you hear a lot of people go, the millennials today and just like our grandparents thought those. uh, I'm a Gen Xer. Uh, Hannah, didn't you make the very end of the Gen Y cutoff? No, I'm a Gen Xer myself, but I'm very like tail end. I'd be like the youngest of the Gen Xers. So you're you've got they the call those like the Zennials or something. I don't know. It's mm. weird. And I have to say though, I identify as an I, I consider myself an Xer, but I certainly have some millennial tendencies. I'll just say that. I think you have the attention span of a <laughs> Actually, I think Gen Xers, we had the short attention stand first. I don't know. I think millennials have taken it to a whole nother level. But there are some things. I do think millennials are starting to get a bad rap. I think it has become the same thing as guy in the 60s mm-hmm. out in his front lawn shaking his rake at those damn hippies. That's mm-hmm. right. And that is where, if any of you have not had your coffee yet, you're wanting to shake or not to shake, we're referring to shaking your rake. Come on. Catch up with the rest of us. Yeah. that cup. So our first episode of To Shake or Not to Shake, and all we're going to do is bring up a topic and we're going to say whether or not we think it's stupid or if we (laughs) get it or we're just not sure. So if we decide to shake, that means we're out on our front lawn shaking our rake, telling you this is stupid. If we say not to shake, we're saying, hey, to each their own, we get it, or we even support this, or we may just say we have no effing idea. We'll yep. uh, we'll play this as we go. So this has not been uh, previously organized, discussed, et cetera. First topic I have for today, Hannah, is the trend of doing live action Disney films. Lion King, I hmm. believe, is the most recent one. Uh, live action remakes of previously animated films. Yes. Shake or not to shake. What do you think? Oh, so this is heavy. And Aladdin, I think, is another recent one. And full disclosure, I have not seen the live action remakes, but I absolutely have seen the original animated of both those movies and, and many more. So I, oh, this is a tough one. In my opinion, <laughs> Uh, I get it. Like technology is where it's at with uh, CGI, where they can make these what previously couldn't be done done. But part of me shakes my rake, saying, "Well, why, why redo it?" And that's that's, I guess, my short answer. What's your short answer? 
I wish I was capable of a short answer, but as you know, I have a problem with that. I'm with you. It's actually been going on longer than we think. Was if you if we can go back and start rattling off Jungle Book, uh, Beauty and the Beast, Beauty and the Beast. Oh, I heard that was a train wreck. But I'm with you. I haven't seen any, so let me put yeah. that up front. Have not watched any of them, and some of them I may check out. You know what's funny is the one that I think performed poorly or not up to expectations is actually the one I should be the most interested in. I am a Tim Burton fan, Mm -hmm. more so of of past work. But uh, at the end of the day, I could probably sit down in front of anything Tim Burton's done and find something gruesomely beautiful about it. I'm a fan of Tim Burton, the artist. I really am. I did not realize till after it was out at the theater, Tim Burton was the one that did live action Dumbo. Oh, I don't think I realized that either. Wow. And I I think that because Mr. Burton's not as marketable as he's been in the past, I don't, if they would have said Walt Disney presents Tim Burton's Dumbo, I think it would have helped. I don't know. I mean, it would have put it more on my radar. So that's one where Dumbo's my least favorite Disney cartoon. I think it's dark. It's it's not, I, I, I honestly don't remember much about it. And anytime I see a scene from it, I'm just like, wow, that just looks like a terrible, dark, depressing cartoon. Because I don't understand why Disney always wants to kill someone's mother. Uh, uh, I, 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 well, here, you know, uh, let me give you a different perspective. And it's not my perspective, but I had a friend who I who had seen the, the recent Lion King. And I asked, I said, how was it? And this person is similar age to me, I think just a couple of years younger, so right on the edge. He took his kids to see it and said, you know, it was okay. I liked the original better, but my kid loved it. So I think that's, you know, it's it's definitely a plane for the new generation. So I think that's that's how it's going to be. I think that's how people are going to be receiving it as if you're older and you grew up with the original animated versions, you're going to appreciate it for what it is, but you might not love it. Whereas the kids today, where it might be their first time uh, meeting Simba in The Lion King or meeting uh, Aladdin, they might absolutely love it. So I, I, to me, that makes sense. And I know in Hollywood nowadays, remake, remakes and retelling stories that you know that people love, that's what's making money. So that's what they're doing. So I totally get it. Damn you, Hannah Hampton. You may have <laughs> persuaded me. No, here's the thing. In, in what's funny is you just said if you grew up with those old ones. No one grew up. I mean, we didn't grow up with Dumbo. I mean, when was yeah. the original Dumbo even filmed? You know, was it 1836? I don't know. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the thing is Disney was able to capitalize on the fact that we as and I think it's more of a I, I don't know if it's an American trade or not, but we love nostalgia oh, and yeah. tradition and our Disney was brilliant and they marketed the tradition route into, you know, this your mother watched the original Cinderella. Remember they only and, used to release the videos to sell and they would go back in the Disney vault. So you, Disney could vault. Even, you can even always get it. So it made you like want it even even that much more. So and it's just the whole. Yeah, you, it, we, we love nostalgia. We all want to go back and 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 relive our childhoods again. I think that's what they're going after. And, and, and they nail it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, tell me I can't have something and I'm all over it. Ask my wife. Um, <laughs> but it's I, Disney has a lot of money and they know how to find out what people want or what's 
the, the you know trends and analysis. And at the end of the day, they were able to ride that tradition. Um, they rode that whole marketing campaign as far as they could. And I do, damn, I'm so mad at you for this because I wanted to go out front and shake my rake. But I do think it's time to realize that our kids don't always necessarily want the same things we do when it comes to entertainment or anything for that matter. Right. I mean, that's the big, it's so funny is my, my wife will always say, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about getting rid of this piece of furniture. Do you think our son will want it? And I'm like, no, he wants nothing old of ours. He wants (laughs) to stuff. you know, my parents, anytime they wanted to give, give me a piece of furniture or whatever, no matter how much money I had, I typically was like, oh yeah, I want that. I remember that piece growing up and I love that. And I do, I have one of my dad's first armoires is actually my filing cabinet in my office. And it's this beautiful big armoire and it's really cool. And, you know, even my dad looks at it and he's like, you still have that thing? My wife has one of her grandparents' dining tables. We refurbished it, we finished it. It was one of those inexpensive 50s dining table. And we took a picture over to it uh, to show it to them. And my grandmother-in-law's exact words were, you guys still have that fucking thing? (laughs) Really? Yeah, she really said that. I love her and I miss her so much. (laughs) So as much as I want to shake my rake today, Uh I'm going to have to give it a vote of not to shake. Oh, I think that's great. Well, you know, I... uh... I still am going to, can I like half shake the rake? You want to semi shake it? I do, I do. Because I I will still, when they come out, I will shake my head and, 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 and say why. It's kind of like when they remade Point Break and I will still to this day, I've never seen the remake and I never will watch it because I say never mess with perfection. But sometimes when they remake movies, I, I shake my head going, why Why would you do that? So I will semi-shake. Okay, I'll go with the semi-shake. And the funny thing is, and I, I was going to bring this point up and forgot, and then you just brought it up, is when you, uh, using Point Break. Believe it or not, a lot of movies that you grew up thinking they were originals were actually remakes themselves. True. Um, so, you know, you'd be surprised. Go out there and look at that, listeners. You may find out uh, or discover that something that you thought was completely unique and original was not. And it, you can go back to remaking songs and everything else, same thing. You know, for some reason, I, I mentioned the Rolling Stones more than once this week. I will tell you, Jane's Addiction's cover, A Sympathy for the Devil, pretty darn good. Hmm. Huge Barry Farrell fan. He's no Mick Jagger, though. But that it's, <laughs> there are some really good covers out there as well. Some are better, too. But and our, our millennial listeners were just like, who? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh no, there's some like I you know, James. Millennials, I, I I don't like the stereotypes and I think they're very savvy and, and, and love music, but I just had to throw that out there. <laughs> she is shaking her rake at you, millennials. I'm not I, I was just standing up for millennials. No, I agree. I agree. <laughs> and I do think that they deserve something new and I think they're demanding it more than anyone else. Um and, and so it's a mix. You, you, the live action Disney films we're gonna give a semi shake to. And we'll see what else we look at next. Any ideas? Send them our way. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.